RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to the Lawfather podcast. As always, we are here in Lawfather Studios, right within Lawfather headquarters. And check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Just search for at the Lawfather. And as always, we are on TikTok Live today. So those of you on TikTok Live, welcome and uh, thanks for joining us. So want to talk a little bit about, well, the big news that's going on with sports in the NFL. I'd say it's the biggest news in sports right now. Uh, Major League Baseball can't get out of its own way. And uh, so they really aren't making much of the news other than the line on the bottom of the screen saying that, well, they want a federal mediator or a federal arbitrator, I believe it was, um, to come in and, and try to help them resolve their differences. But we have uh, bigger things going on here with the NFL. And we want to take some time, dive into that. Let's look at it from the legal aspect, okay? And look, it's, it's always difficult, and those of you who listen to this show fairly frequently, or at least, uh, you know, more than once, all three of you, thank you very much, all three of you who do listen. Um, you know, it, it's the law and public perception are two different things, right? And so anytime I'm looking at these things and doing an analysis on it, it's not about black and white, right? We're talking about a racial issue here today, and it has nothing to do with black and white, it has all to do with the legal analysis, right? And anytime we're talking about a legal analysis, I want you to keep this in mind throughout the whole whole show today. It's not what you know, it's what you can prove. I don't care what you know, I care what you can prove, okay? And that's what we look at in, look at in every single case. And, and like I said, those of you who've listened before, when I was in law enforcement, right? We'd show up at a house, Johnny stole my TV, it's not on the wall anymore. I know Johnny stole it. How do you know Johnny stole it? No offense to anybody named Johnny, okay? Well, I know Johnny down the street stole it because he steals everything. Okay, did you see him? No. Do you have cameras that showed him stealing it? No. How do you know he stole it? I don't know. I just know, okay? And that is, honestly, I, I feel like that's a lot of what we have here with the Brian Flores lawsuit against several NFL teams and the NFL. Okay, and let's just start with the NFL piece to it. Okay, the NFL doesn't employ coaches. The NFL does not employ general managers. The NFL does not employ team presidents. Okay, the NFL does not employ players. The NFL employs people who work for the NFL. And it is completely separate from the from the teams. Okay, here's the easiest way to think about it. Those of you who follow the Green Bay Packers, the Green Bay Packers are what's called a publicly traded company, meaning they have stock. You as an individual, you can go right now. You could buy Packers stock. Okay, you go on stock market, buy Packers stock. Boom, done. You own it. You are an owner of the Packers. Okay. All of the players' paychecks, all the coaches' paychecks, the front office, everybody who is a part of an NFL team gets their checks from the team. Not the NFL, okay? The NFL is essentially the grouping of all of the teams, and they come up with rules of competition and you know rules for hiring, like oh I don't know the Rooney Rule, which we'll uh, we'll talk about, which you know is directly related. The Rooney Rule has to do with the interviewing of minority coaches, 
So that's the NFL's role in this. They don't pay anybody. They don't employ. Well, they, they they don't employ anybody at the team level. Okay, so really failing to see where the NFL plays a role in this. So let's look at at the easiest thing that I look at and go, how is this racial? Okay, and, and I'm talking about the fact that he was paid to tank games. Okay, or at least the allegation. I shouldn't say that he was paid to tank games. I don't, I don't want a defamation lawsuit, Jason. I don't think Jason does either. Jason's shaking his head no. Um, I can imagine that letter I get from Jason and how happy he will be to deliver it to me when uh, you know one of one of the owners. Well, there's only three people who listen to the show anyway, but um, you know if one of the owners found out, I said, "Well, yeah, you're paid to tank games." No, the allegation that that there was tanking. Okay. Let's look at that just in a vacuum by itself. And I, and I pose this question to you. And, and those of you who are watching on TikTok, if maybe you want to chime in on this, how is that racial? How do we know that? Let's just take for the sake of argument and say that, sure, okay, say a coach was paid to tank games, hypothetically speaking, okay? Not Brian Flores, not the Miami Dolphins, not... not um, uh, the Browns coach, uh, Hugh, uh, Hugh Jackson. So, you know, just random team, okay? And they pay their coach to tank games. Could it be because of other things? Could it be they want draft picks? Could it be that they have an interest in some other business somewhere that would benefit from certain outcomes of games? Okay. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, right? So we have all these other things to think about. And I think to try to draw a line from the tanking of games to it being racially related, I think is dangerous. And I, I think is is probably wrong. Okay. So we'll just start there. We're going to put that one off to the side. And that's my legal analysis on it. That's the beginning, middle, and end of it. I just don't see how that's possible. There is just too many other reasons why an owner would be interested potentially in losing games. Okay. So first off, this has been filed as, as what's expected to be a class act or, or what's asked to be because you can't file a class action and just deem yourself a class action. You have to ask the court to do it. But Brian Flores is seeking class action status. And all that means is that there's several plaintiffs. Okay. So more than one plaintiff, Alleging several different things, uh, alleging basically the same thing. So those of you listening on TikTok, here is my TikTok advice for the day. There is a class action lawsuit involving TikTok, okay? You can actually go online, search for TikTok class action lawsuit, and there's money available to you for those of you who had TikTok prior to the uh, the for sale of it to a U.S. company, Okay. And what it is, is when you have a class action, and, and I use the TikTok thing as the example of what a class action is, is because you have a group of people who are very similar in the sense that the set of facts are the same for every single individual, okay? So if Bearded Chicago, who just joined the live on TikTok, if he had been on TikTok before, and I had been on TikTok before that time, and Jason was on TikTok before that time, we're all equally on the same platform at the same time, and we're each subjected to the same harm caused by uh, it being owned by the Chinese government. I think that was the reason, but I don't want the Chinese government knocking on my door either. I hear they do bad things. Um, so anyway, that was a class action lawsuit. And those of you 
who are joining on TikTok, go check out. Uh, it's six, it's the TikTok settlement. You go, you put all your information in, and there will be a check for you. It's not very much. Anytime you get a class action lawsuit, the big hole of all the people tend to get a lot of money. Each individual tends to get, you know, a couple dollars here and there. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe you can buy a, a small fry or a Big Mac with it. Um, you're definitely not going to Burns on uh, the TikTok settlement. So that is what a class action is. Now, look. For Brian Flores, this falls flat on its face. Let's think about this for a second, right? And look, we're not even into the meat and potatoes of the argument. We're talking about the initial part of, is this a class action or not, right? Let's think about this for a second. We have 32 teams, okay? 32 teams in the NFL. Let's put the Steelers aside. For the second, we have 31 because the Steelers have a black coach. He's the only black coach in the NFL, the only black head coach in the NFL right now is Mike Tomlin with the Steelers. 31 teams, right? Theoretically, 31 openings. Eh, let's take the Patriots. Let's put them off to the side too because Belichick, he sure as heck ain't going anywhere unless he wants to, right? So no one's forcing him out and he ain't leaving. And you know what? I don't think anybody would ever have a problem with that. So 30 potential times for a coach to be hired, okay? If you're going to allege class action, you're going to have to go, well, the reasoning was the same each time. There was no other variable, right? It, it had to be this. It had to be that this person was not hired because of their race. And there can't be any other variable, can't be any other consideration involved, okay? So think about that for a second. You have 30 opportunities. The fact pattern is so different. The rationale behind hiring one person or another is so different, right? And, and look, Jason, who's sitting right here, may know a whole lot more, but my guess is a coach who is more in tune to a 3-4 defense is not going to get the opportunity that a coach in tune to a 4-3 defense is when that coach, when that owner wants to run a 4-3. Okay? Right? Jason's that? Yeah, Jason's shaking his head yes. So now we've cut that pool down even more. And guess what? We still have nothing to do with race. Not even a little bit. Right? Could it be because an owner says... I want my next coach to focus on defense because we had an offensive guy and our defense was absolutely terrible. So I want someone who's more prone to defense. Okay, right? I mean, look, we hear all these different things. So there's all these different rationales. Really, really difficult to really pull a class action together on, on any of these facts with NFL clubs. Okay. Also think about we only have, like I said, we have 32, but let's throw two out. We got 30 to deal with. Okay, uh, there may be, may be others that they have long standing, but I, I would say the two longest standing, most tenured coaches in the NFL, Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick. I think Pete Carroll is probably a close third to that with the Seahawks. But um, anyway, so let's look at what this is, right? Let's look at what law they're using to get in. And, and this is just part that I find interesting. There's no legal analysis on where this comes from, but this is actually, the lawsuit's actually based on a reconstruction era law and what reconstruction was. And, and those of you, um, you know, we'll do a little history lesson here. You know, we have law and history with the law father. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Reconstruction was after slavery and it was the time when we were essentially reconstructing, right? Uh, Post-Civil War era, uh, that is your reconstruction era. And what it is is the law says that all persons have the right to make and enforce 
contracts uh, just as white people are allowed to, something along those lines, okay? So there is the basis of this lawsuit, okay? You always have to have a legal underpinning, a legal basis of the lawsuit, and that's where we are. That's the Reconstruction era is what that is. So that's that's what we have to deal with there. So that's where that comes from, okay? So Civil War time, were they envisioning this as being... Um, you know, a lawsuit used in the NFL. Well, I don't think football existed at all. I don't even think the sport had been invented uh, at that time. So yeah, probably not. And that's kind of the cool thing about the law, right? When you think about it is you have these laws and you have these interpretations that can be from years and years and years ago. And now we're implying them to today to things that didn't weren't even thought about in the world at that time. Okay. Let's look at another piece, all right? We have the Rooney Rule. And if you've heard the Brian Flores lawsuit and the NFL, you've heard of the Rooney Rule. And look, the NFL is a league, okay? And the teams make up the league. And remember, the teams are who pay the coaches and interview the coaches and and all that. The league can set rules, but the league doesn't set laws, okay? Think about that for a second. A law is different from a rule. A law is enforceable by essentially the government, okay, or you can be sued if you violate a law. But if you violate a rule with the NFL, there's no law that there's going to be harm onto you. It's just not, okay? The NFL could fine you. Government can't. Can't sue somebody for it, okay? So what we have is we have the, the Rooney Rule, which came about in 2003. It's been strengthened over the years and strengthened and changed. I, I don't know if strengthens necessarily the right word. That's the word that the NFL uses on, on their website. But now they must, now teams must interview two external, external minority candidates for head coaching positions. One for a coordinator position and one for a senior level front office position. All it says is they have to interview it, okay? And it's cited in the lawsuit. Yeah, it's, you know what? The NFL is saying this is the practice that we want all of our teams to do, okay? That's it. The NFL, yes, they could find the clubs if they don't if they don't play ball with that, right? And I think what we're going to see out of this is we're probably going to see an investigation into the New York Giants. Well, because apparently they hired the ball before um, before Flores' interview, and that's kind of a problem, okay? When, you, when you're talking about the Rooney rule, right, and, and the need and the, necess- and the necessity to interview a minority candidate before making a hire, you know, that's, that is potentially a problem. But here's the question, right? And, and, and let's look at that for a second. Did the Giants officially hire the ball before Flores' interview, or did the Giants at least internally, or even maybe to the ball himself, go, hey, you know what? We really like that guy as a candidate. We really like that guy. We want that guy to be our next head coach. You may even call the guy because maybe he's got three other interviews lined up and you don't want to lose him. But you know you have to do this interview. And look, no knock on Flores or anything else, right? But I hire people, so I know what it is. I I, I know that that sense of, you have somebody that you like that you walk in the door that fits the culture, the personality, the the what you want out of that candidate, right? And it has nothing to do with race. But you know when you're when somebody walks in the door and you're interviewing that person, 
right? Sometimes you just know. Sometimes in the first five minutes of that interview, you know, right? And and you know that they have another interview lined up and you let them know, I'm going to hire you for this position, right? Now look, private business, which these teams are private businesses, I can do that all day long, right? I can even then interview the next person, right? Because maybe that next person needs even better, right? But I don't want to lose that first one. So this doesn't even take into account that that could have been what was going on, right? So, look, I, clearly I wasn't there. The New York Giants did not ask me for my input on who they should hire, right, and did not share their insights. However, having hired people before, okay, and, and we hire people pretty regularly here, that happens, okay? <coughs> Excuse me. Here's another potential issue with this case right? There's really no specific allegations that Flores was fired or not hired based on race. There's nothing truly specific that, that can be pinpointed to and say, this is it. Okay. That's really, it's kind of a problem. Okay. Yes, we have the numbers. 70% of the league is made up of black players. Okay, cool. Great. That's a great statistic, right? You ever heard the, the uh, phrase that statistics lie, oh, they do. You can really make statistics say whatever you want because, look, to me, I don't necessarily care what the makeup of the league is, right? Well, my next question is, well, what's the makeup of guys who want to coach? And I should say guys or girls because there are women now coaching uh, in the NFL. So, you know, to, to say that there is – uh, you know, no progress, if you will, in the NFL. I, I mean, the fact that you actually have women coaches in, in a sport that the only, and I don't know, I, I don't know of a, a professional woman's contact football team. I, I don't know of an analogous women's league, right, that you could go, okay, women have played this professional league of football is the same as men's football and the tactics and the coaching and everything else is the same, right? So the league has made some strides in that, in, in, in that sense, right? But what we, what I have really gotten away from here, right? Is if the league is 70% black, what's the percentage of guys who want to coach, right? Of those 70%, how many of them want to coach? How many of them even have the ability to be a good coach, Right. Look, I, I mean, having played college ball before, right, uh, baseball that is, and, and having been around a lot of high-level guys, who's to say they'd even be good coaches? Honestly, the guys that I played with that were the best generally weren't really good teachers, okay? And, yeah, that, that is a really broad generalization, okay, because there are some, uh, some really great. I actually played with a couple of guys who were just extremely great players, and have become great coaches, okay? But there's only two that I can think of, okay? And I played with a lot of guys. I mean, five years in college ball, you play with a lot of different people. And, you know, so the best, the best players aren't always the best coaches. And when you're talking about something that you're talking about the best 32 people in the entire world want those jobs, the best, Right? Think about that for a second. The best 32 head football coaches, 
in the entire world. Okay? Now, granted, I guess the world is a little skewed. See, look, stats lie because really not a whole lot of other countries play what we would call American football or what other countries in other languages would call American football, right? So you have that, and, you, okay, you want to add in 64 coordinators, right? Assuming each team has a defensive and an offensive coordinator, which not every team does, okay? But think about that. You're talking about 90-plus of the best in the world, okay? That's not a lot. That's not a lot of people, okay? So there's a lot to consider as we're looking at that. There is major, major, major potential for this to absolutely blow up for literally everybody, okay? Here's what I see the best case scenario being. NFL moves to dismiss or moves for what's called summary judgment and gets out of it, right? Boom, NFL is out. Now they're just dealing with the three teams, and I would say the three teams that are involved are the same thing, and they got to hope to get out of it. The NFL has to get out of it, okay? You know what happens if the NFL doesn't get out of it? Discovery happens, and discovery is the process of gathering evidence, okay? And you know what? If I'm working the case, I want absolutely everything. I want your firstborn, where you've lived the last 50 years of your life. Okay, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you get the point, right? I want, hey, NFL, all of the text messages amongst all of the owners in your league. I want whatever everybody has that's in your front office. I want all the communication, text message, email. I want phone records. I want it all. And I'm going to comb through it, and I'm going to comb through it, and I'm going to comb through it. And what's to say... Oh, we know we know the odds of this stuff getting leaked. I'm going to say it's probably right around 100%. Okay, there's very few guarantees in the world, but uh, we could ask John Gruden about how he feels about the the, the chances of uh, any of this information getting leaked if it's if it's able to be received. Okay, do we really want to know why coaches weren't hired? Do we really want the notes and the rationale? Do we really want teams to have to put down why they didn't hire somebody? Think about it. If, if any of you have hired people in the past, do you really want to have to write down and tell somebody why you didn't want to hire them? Sometimes it's truly just, you go, we just weren't a good fit. And how do you really put that on paper? And how do you put that in a way that you don't really hurt somebody's feelings? Because sometimes it's not about whether they can do the job. Sometimes it's whether or not you like the person, right? I mean, you can't be around them every day. You probably want to like them a little bit, right? You, you probably don't want to think that they're just a, you know, egomaniac who's just going to, you know, run around and make the airplane 62 degrees and uh, change all the players' hotel rooms to 62 degrees as well, right? And uh, those of you who know, well, you know what I'm talking about. So anyway, that's a, a major consideration. And do we want to force clubs to do that? Is that a good look? Is that good for anybody to do that? And quite frankly, do we really think that if the teams have to say and explain why they hired or fired or, or uh, hired or didn't hire somebody, do we really think that someone is actually going to write down, I didn't hire this coach because he's black? I mean, do we, really? I mean, do we really think that's going to happen? Or do we just, are we just fooling ourselves, right? I, I mean, Look, the reality is you're going to find something. And, and, and I can't imagine a more 
a more subjective job, right, than an NFL coach, right? Really any coach in any sport. But I think even more so because there's so many different pieces, right? You can have different offensive systems, different defensive systems, different different philosophies on how to handle offense and defense and, and whether you should be more aggressive in one versus the other or whether you're more prone to running the ball versus passing the ball or a, a long game versus a short game. And, and I mean, geez, we could go on and on and on, right? And, and so that's a consideration. And look, none of that has anything to do, not one tiny little bit of that has to do with race, okay? Now let's consider this, all right? Maybe, right, maybe there are candidates out there, and look, this happens all the time in private business, okay? And I'm going to tell you, we sue people because of this, all right? What if a team has a requirement for background checks, right? What if a team, it's a private business, they can do what they want. They can put whatever policies and procedures in place that they want. They just can't be discriminatory, right? And status as a felon is not a discriminatory status, okay? Now look, what if, what if people have been passed over for coaching positions because of background checks? Just something to consider because I can tell you on a personal injury side of things, okay? If I have a case that involves an employee of a company, let's not forget a coach is an employee of a company, all right? What do you think the first thing I'm doing on that employee is? I am pulling a background check on that employee, okay? Because if they're a felon and it was a violent felony, all right, I can allege negligent hiring or negligent retention. Negligent hiring being on the front side, right? I hired the person knowing that they were a previously convicted felon of a dangerous felony, right? And so at least the theory goes, I shouldn't be surprised if I hire this person as a receptionist and then this person beats the crap out of somebody who walks in the door and they don't like, right? Okay, negligent retention, meaning that they were already hired, okay, that that violent felony didn't, didn't exist at the time. They, in turn, commit a violent felony or convicted of a violent felony and then beat the crap out of somebody in my lobby, okay? That would be negligent retention, right? And I've done that before. So let's, let's look at a real-life example, right? And look, these are grown men, and, and I don't think we would ever see a lawsuit like this, but you could. It wouldn't be you know, necessarily without merit, but let's think Bruce Arians, what do you do? He, he slapped a guy or grabbed a guy or did both possibly, um, during one of the playoff games. Okay. Well, and look, I don't know Bruce Arians. I haven't run a background check on Bruce Arians. I wouldn't necessarily have, have the reason to, right. But let's say Bruce Arians was a convicted felon for, let's just say aggravated battery, right. Meaning, you know, he, he caused great bodily harm to somebody in, in hitting them right? And now I hired him as a coach. And now he pulls that player off and slaps that player, right? Let's say that player gets hurt, uh, tears an ACL during the, in the process, right? That guy's career is over, right? That player comes to me and goes, hey, yeah, I want to sue the coach because, well, you know, he pulled me off. Well, now we're right back to negligent hiring, negligent retention, depending on the scenario, okay? That's a serious consideration. And it's not one that 
either anybody really thinks about or really cares to bring up. But I think it's something to at least consider. Okay? So that is the explanation of the Brian Flores lawsuit. To kind of recap it for you, if we want to bring it down to its shortest form, I don't think this thing survives. Okay? I really don't. Uh, I, I think the NFL moves for summary judgment. They win. God help them if they have to uh, get into any discovery and turn over emails and text messages. Okay, um, that could be bad for uh, bad for the game, bad for everybody, and I don't think bad necessarily from a racial perspective. I just don't think it's something that any any good comes from. Okay, so that is the Flores lawsuit as uh, as it comes about. You know, we'll uh, we'll update on more. I, I think it'll be telling. Look, if I'm the NFL, I'm making an offer and uh, hoping it goes away, making it a confidential offer, right? I don't want that getting out in the news, right, that I'm making an offer. But I probably make an offer to try to get it to go away, right? And, and we'll really tell what Brian Flores' motives truly are because, look, if you offer Brian Flores a billion dollars and he turns it down, okay, you know he truly believes in his heart of hearts that – it, it was racial. Uh, if he takes a billion dollars, well, I will never, I guess, truly know the story. That said, I don't think anybody's offering a billion dollars. So there is that. All right, that is the Brian Flores lawsuit. So let's take a quick look at a listener question today. Do insurance companies prefer to settle out of court? Well, in very lawyerly flat fashion, sometimes... Okay. Most times, yes. If it's a if it's a case with a lot of damages to the car, and we're going to assume that's a car crash, right? A lot of damages to the car, and a lot of injuries. Yeah, absolutely. They, they want to get that. They want to wash their hands of it as quickly as they can because they have a. The insurance companies have a duty and an obligation to protect their insured. They have a duty and an obligation to pay all claims that they rightfully should. Okay, and that's kind of the standard that you need to look at and consider. Uh, the insurance companies really only want to try the cases that are really bad for the plaintiffs. They, they, the ones that they think that they can win, sure, because what can happen is, is they owe their attorney fees no matter what, right? So they don't want to rack up six figures in attorney fees on cases that they think they're also then going to have to pay out six or seven figures in a jury verdict. Okay, so... That said, do insurance companies prefer to settle out of court? For the most part, yes, and and that can be evidenced in the statistics. Uh, something less than two percent of all cases go to trial. Okay, that is the Law Father podcast for today. Those of you who have joined us on TikTok, thank you very much. I appreciate seeing each and every one of you. Three o'clock every three o'clock three o'clock every uh, every Monday, right here in Lawfather Studios. All right. Be sure to check out all the shows on Radio Influence. Check out my good friends over there. And um, that is the show for today. Lawfather, out. Out.